If you're here for the first time this morning, let me share with you what you're here for, or at least what's in store this morning. For those who are members or who are regular, who have been with us for these last few weeks, you know what we're doing today. We're doing what's called a membership renewal. And I realize we have infants in every age with us, and I realize this is going to be an interesting next few minutes. So I'm not going to preach for an hour this morning, I promise. I'm actually, I have about 10 to 15 minutes where I need to share something with us with y'all. Uh, I want us to enjoy a truth together. And I think where he has us in John 14 is what is going to provide the truth that we need to engage this morning. In John 14, <clears throat> some things that have come up. We've met two persons already. We've really met some humans also, but we've met God the Father and God the Son. And we're going to meet somebody else later on and we get along in John 14. But let me just share a few passages with you. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There's a distinction between God the Father and God the Son right here. And then he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Again, a distinction between Father and Son. And then later on in the chapter, he introduces the idea that, hey, I'm going to go away. I won't be with you any longer, but I'm going to send someone in my place. And that someone will be this helper. In verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Three persons introduced right there, Father, Son, and Spirit. This chapter is just neck deep in all three of these persons. They are three persons in this Godhead, yet they are one. One of the things that I've really been wrestling with is, am I making a bad decision, us considering such a lofty truth with all these little tiny ones in the room with us? And I realize that I think it's especially appropriate that we have all these little tiny ones in the room with us, and especially appropriate that we are celebrating Christ in community today as we consider the Trinity We'll see. (laughs) I was thinking about the Trinity and thinking about this three distinct persons in one God and thinking about relevance. Is it just this thing that we baptize in the name of? Is it just this thing that we marry in the name of, present in a wedding? Or is it something that actually has some bearing on how we live and love as people? Does it have some sort of relevance, some sort of place where it's evidenced in us? And I think it does. I'm going to share with you just a few brief thoughts on this God, this thing that's true of this God when we consider this Trinity. First of all, God is not a pantheon. God is not like the mythical Greek gods of all these competing gods who are devouring each other and trying to kill each other. Thankfully, our God is not like the pantheon. Our God is also not like the monad. The monad is the God of Islam or the God of present-day Judaism, this singular being that has no community. This monad, you may not realize, this monad, the God of Islam and the God of current-day Judaism, is a God that's dependent on creation to be loving and faithful and righteous. See, it, it needs to have a creation to be the recipient of those things. So this monad is dependent on creation to come into the fullness of who he is. See, if you really think about that and you chew on that some, you'll realize that that doesn't sound very godly. It doesn't sound like much of a God that's going to be dependent on creation to be the fullness of who he is. But our God, on the other hand, is a 
triune God. He is three in one, three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's a little community of God. He is loving and just and righteous and true and faithful without being dependent on us. Book of Acts tells us that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. He's not dependent on us to come into the fullness of who he is. He is loving and faithful and true and righteous all in and of himself just in who he is. So while he's not dependent like the monad, he is, I'm going to introduce a word, he is contingent. I'm going to explain what this means because as God is contingent, you're contingent. And that's why you need to understand what this means very briefly. In a basic sense, here's what contingency looks like in the Godhead, in the three persons, the Father, Son, and Spirit. In order for there to be a father, that's contingent upon being a son, having a son. For there is no father without a son or a daughter. Think about some dude celebrating Father's Day, but he got no kids. You're like, bro, you shouldn't be celebrating because you're no father. Your fatherhood is contingent upon your son or your daughter. Hear him? Lots of fathers in here. So for us, in this picture of the Godhead being contingent, for there to be a father, there must be a son. His fatherness, circle C, is contingent upon the sonness. And for there to be a son, there must be a father. Now, let's think of contingency in terms of his character. His love, his righteousness, his faithfulness are expressed and fulfilled perfectly in the other persons of the Trinity. He is not dependent on creation, but he is contingent on the persons of the Trinity. For there to be a lover, there must be a loved. For there to be a righteous, there must be a blessed who's on the receiving end of that righteousness. For there to be a faithful, there must be a beneficiary who is blessed by the receiving of that faithfulness. And we have all that in our triune God. The Father is the fullness, listen, of who he is in the relationship to the Son. His oneness and wholeness is realized in relationship to the Son. The oneness and wholeness of the Son is realized in relationship to the Father, and both of them are realized in relationship to the Spirit. The oneness of our God is contingent on the role of each other. Now, what does this have to do with us and a bunch of babies kind of making cooing noises in our laps and a bunch of people stuffed into a room together is that we are contingent as our God is contingent. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays that those who follow him in years to come would be one as he and the Father are one. He's praying that we would reflect his character. So what you need to realize as God is contingent, we are contingent beings. As God is inter-involved, Father, Son, and Spirit, inter-involved, interconnected, intercommitted, so the people of God are. We are inter-involved with one another, interconnected, and intercommitted with one another. We reflect the character of the triune God. As our God is three gods, or excuse me, three persons in one God, we are many distinct people in one body. And we come into the fullness of who we are with each other. As God is contingent, we are contingent. I'm going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians. And think of this 
reality as you hear this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, our slaves, are free, our fathers, our sons, our mothers, our daughters, our brothers, our sisters, teachers, encouragers, preachers, deacons, elders, L3ers, rubbermaiders, salesmen, mommies, builders, plumbers, electricians, musicians, physicians. We are one. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's where I'm going with this. The hand comes into the fullness of what a hand is as it is connected to the body. A hand just laying on the ground is just a piece of flesh. But a hand that's connected to the body, that's serving the body and is involved in the body... It's coming into the fullness of what handship is. It's a picture of our triune God as the Son comes in the fullness of who He is, relationship to the Son. We sow to each other. The eye comes into the fullness of eyeship as it's cre- connected to and informing the body. We are many individuals, but one body, and just like our God is three persons and one God, we are a contingent people as our God is contingent. The Trinity, what you need to realize is the Trinity is not an irrelevant notion. It informs us of how we are to live in love. It is what identifies us as Christian. It's not just some theological notion that we never engage, that we baptize in the name of, and that we marry in the name of. It's what makes our community of faith different because our God is different. He's like no other God. So that's why the people of God should be like no other people. We are interconnected, interinvolved, intercommitted. The many are made one. We are made whole and full in relationship to each other. Today, we are celebrating Christ among us. Most of the times when we step in this room, we are celebrating God and just together all looking upward. Today, we're looking to our right and to our left and to our front and to our back, and we're enjoying Christ in each other. And we're enjoying God's design in putting us with each other on this journey. And we're recommitting to walking together and being part of each other's lives. We are celebrating Christ among us who is working in the lives of the many and working in the life of the body. I have two families that I want to bring up so you can hear from them just a testimony of what God is doing to them and through them, what God, how God has blessed them in community. Ronnie and Deborah, y'all come on up. This is Ronnie and Deborah Finley. They are new to the faith and new to Cross Point. I'm going to let you hear from them, baptize them 
Last week or week before? Two weeks ago. This is my wife, Deborah. Um, we'll be celebrating our uh, 20th wedding anniversary Tuesday. Uh, we have three daughters. Ashley, uh, she's married to Tim Roman. Uh, we have one grandson. He's two years old. Our middle daughter is Lindsay. She's 18. Our uh, youngest daughter is Haley, and she just turned 13. When Ben asked me to speak this morning, um, I was honored to do so, but at the same time, I was terrified. I have a big fear of speaking in public. I sorry. <laughs> so anyway, but I thought back a couple weeks ago whenever we, Deborah and I were baptized and how scared she is of water. But because her love for Christ, her love for the church, and her love for me, and to set an example for our daughters, she trusted in the Lord and was baptized. Our journey here at Crosspoint began about the same time my brother, Tracy, was diagnosed with colon cancer. <clears throat> we had not spoken for about three years, and as soon as I got the news, I called him on the phone we talked, and that weekend I flew out to see him. When I got there and saw him, I noticed that he was at peace just days after hearing the horrifying news of his cancer. And I wanted that peace that he had. And I commented to my sister-in-law, Katie, that I wanted what he had. Well, she later told me that when I first said that, that she said, uh, why would I want what he had? He had just started a business and lost it. He'd filed bankruptcy. He had a part-time job, and he just found out that he had cancer. As he lay there with his body dying, his soul was alive and well. As I was sitting there with him, my body was alive and well, but my soul was dying. So... She said, what could I possibly want that he had? <clears throat> well, he was walking with Jesus, and he knew where he was going, and that's what he had that I wanted. A month and a day after Tracy was diagnosed with cancer, he passed away. But Christ was using Tracy to plant the seed, cross point to cultivate it, and rising from the water of baptism was a family walking in Christ. On behalf of myself and Deborah, we'd like to thank Ben and the people of Cross Point and hope we'll walk this journey for a long time. Thank you, and God bless you. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we're the Hamiltons. Uh, I'm Aaron. This is my wife, Stephanie. It's our little boy, Ayan. And uh, we've actually been with Crosspoint now, I guess, four years, which seems pretty crazy. And uh, 
We, uh, we came from a very traditional church, which um, we know that most of you did, too. And uh, so Crosspoint was actually a little, little weird for us at first. Um, the way... <laughs> good, good chuckle there. Um, when, we, when we came here, we actually uh, got kind of jumped right into a Bible study where Steve Roberts was, uh, was teaching. And we immediately were drawn to um, kind of an authentic verse-by-verse exposition of the Word. And then... Then Ben, you know, preaches the exact same way. So um, we immediately dove into some really tough um, theological things that we had never even really approached before. And uh, everything in us kind of kind of said to bail. Um, but we had a lot of encouragement from, from people who had just been there weeks before and months before and were dealing with the word just as it comes. And so we had some really cool encouragement um, from, from people that we were walking with. And and now, you know, four years later, um, you know, we're we're only like what six chapters on uh, in John. But uh, <clears throat> so, if it's speed you're looking for, <laughs> um, but uh, like one of the comments that that Steph and I have made several times is when we go away to visit family, um, we can't wait to get back home because we feel like this is our real family, and um, the encouragement we get here is completely different from the encouragement we get from our own family, and so, uh, so it's really, it's a joy to see every new kid come into this fellowship, and uh, every new family join, and we really feel like we're, we're just locked in arms, walking on a journey, and uh, anyway, I think Steph has something to share about our, kind of our adoption process. Um, when, when Ben asked us to share about kind of cross point and what it's meant to us. <laughs> he usually does like <laughs> um, A huge part of it has, has had to deal with him as well. Um, the Lord really used cross point um, in leading us to Kazakhstan and leading us to adopt Ayan and, um, and it, and the people, the body here has just been such a family to us and has just, um, not only, you know, just, opened us or welcomed us with open arms, but him as well, and just loved on him and prayed for him. And, um, and that has just, that has just meant so much. I, you know, the adoption is just such a beautiful picture. And, um, anyway, that, that's what I wanted to share. Yeah, we, uh, we pray that, that we're here for a while. We're, we're open to God moving us and, um, but we pray for, uh, that we're able to serve with y'all for, for much longer. And, uh, and we really thank you for all the encouragement. I definitely appreciate the men. There's been a, a kind of a big push lately for the men to man up, and uh, and we've been getting together every other Sunday, and um, it's been a, a true encouragement to see some men just laying it out there, you know, normal things that men don't do. So, uh, and I, I know the women have been on that journey even longer than the men. So, I would encourage you, uh, if you're new members or even even old members, um, to get involved in in where God's moving our men and our women and our families, um, and to to really let the word you know change change things that uh, may not be easy to be changed. Because I think you'll find a lot of people going through the same thing and encouragement from those people too. So, thank you all. I want you to hear from the Finleys and the Hamiltons. The Finleys are new to the faith and new to this people. And the Hamiltons are more seasoned in the faith and they've been with us a while. But the thing that they have in common is they're on a shared journey. And both of them are knowing and being known. Both of them are coming into the fullness of who they are to be.
in relationship with each other, with us, and with God in us. As our God is three distinct persons in one God, I know these are some difficult truths, especially with the noise. But listen to this. As our God is three distinct persons in one God, we are many distinct people in one body. As he is contingent, we too are contingent. As a father is no father without a son, the McGraws aren't really McGraws without the Hamiltons, without the Finleys, and the Hicks, and the Roddens. We come into the fullness of who we are in relationship to the living goods, to the Kimballs, to the Stevens. As the lover is no lover without a love-ed, so the Suttons are not loving without the Webbs and the Thormans and the Roberts and the McCulloughs. We come into the fullness of who we are with each other. We are image bearers of this incre- incredible, unique, awesome, triune God. That's why we're community. That's why. Because we reflect His character. I think it's appropriate for us as we celebrate community, as we celebrate what brought us together, is that we celebrate what bought us and what binds us together today. So in these next few minutes, we're going to remember and celebrate the cross with the Lord's Supper. Scott, you guys can come on up. Elders, y'all come on up. Let me encourage you as I begin to read here and as we take the supper together that if you are believing on Christ to take this supper with us. If you are believing on Christ as your Savior and Lord, then please join us in this supper. If you are not, then please don't. Actually, taking this into our person, this bread and this juice is a picture of us feasting on this Christ that we share. Let me encourage you also to be self-examined in these next few minutes. Consider yourself and examine yourself and say, am I ready to take this cup and this bread? Am I crossways with God? Am I thumbing my nose at God in some way? Is there some sort of unconfessed sin? Are you crossways with a brother and you need to reconcile? You want to be reconciled vertically and horizontally as you take this cup and this bread. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. But I tell you, I will not eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them.